Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Ben Fenton. With less than three weeks until the US presidential election, the race is as tight as ever. The president, Barack Obama, appears to have stopped his slide in the opinion polls after putting in a much stronger performance in the second presidential debate on Monday night than his lacklustre showing in the first clash. But will that or the third debate next week be enough to determine who wins the White House? Joining me on the line is the FT's Washington Bureau Chief Richard McGregor and from New York, the US news editor of the FT, Gary Silverman. So uh, with not long to go, Richard, uh, you're out in Manchester, New Hampshire, a place uh, we normally associate with the primaries. And I've been there myself and it's freezing cold in January. What's it like uh, in late October? It's a beautiful autumn day today, um, cold in the shade, but lo- lovely otherwise. And I think the very fact that I'm here tells you something about how tight the race is, because New Hampshire has just four electoral college votes out of the 270 the eventual winner needs. And if they're fighting over that, then they're obviously going to be fighting all the way down to the line. One of the things that's more difficult to get across in print, I think, is the, is the mood in the respective camps. You're, you're with the president's camp now. What is their mood like? And, and both you and Gary can talk about what you think the Romney camp are doing as, as well. Well, I must say, after the first debate, when the president performed really poorly and uh, Mr. Romney fantastically well, you know, you did not see any outward signs of panic in Mr. Obama's camp at all. Now, maybe they just were determined not to project that. And after the second debate, they feel that they've, you know, recorrected and they're back on course. Both sides oddly say, I'd rather be us than them. So they both genuinely think they can win. But Mr. Obama is certainly playing defense. You know, he's sort of sandbagging the various states he hopes will carry him to victory. And it's going to be a very close run thing to pull that off. Gary, I imagine we'd probably thought the opposite before the first debate when it looked as though the president could be running away with the election. What do you think the Romney camp's mood is at the moment? Well, I find what's interesting going on now is how much the election is focusing on particular states and particular groups. Richard's presence in New Hampshire uh, speaks to that as well. We're really looking at a small number of ballots that are close and both sides have to win it. And today, I think we're really looking at this as a battle by both sides to win over women in particular you know, a class of undecided women, and a lot of the appeals are going in that direction. So all the papers today are full of stories about women's issues. And the comment that Mitt Romney made during the debate about having uh, to find women for his cabinet by getting by full of women, which is a chance remark that seems to have taken on a life of its own. Again, one of these consequences of these debates is that just stray phrases and such can become the center of a political debate. What kind of effect, Richard, do you think that is going to have on the campaigns, that knowledge that even a quite a minor slip in phrasing could suddenly really uh, unroot one of your major messages to a really, as Gary says, a really critical part of the electorate? 
Well, it can, and it's damaging if it goes on for too long, but I think the Romney camp thinks that sort of thing just washes away. They would argue it's just a sort of an attempt by Liberals to distract from the main game, which is the economy, which they think people will come back to focusing on before the election. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't make any mistakes at this point. It's not just in their public statements, of course. It's in their ground games, how they manage things on the ground in each state to get people out to vote. Like a sort of winning sports person, you have to iron out the mistakes in your game if you're going to win. Does that make them sort of overcoached, though, when they're appearing in, in public events like the debates? To a degree, but I think if you look at that debate, there was a fair degree of spontaneity in that as well. It wasn't a totally controlled environment. And, you know, I think people forget what an exacting process campaigning is. You need to be an athlete or a really fit person to carry it off. You get tired, you know. Everybody makes mistakes. Things can come out wrong, and that applies to both uh, Mr Obama and Mr Romney, even though they're both very disciplined characters. Gary, what messages do you think the candidates are going to be hammering home in the next few days? We've got a final debate uh, on Monday, and that's going to be on foreign policy. I suppose if we were being cynical and looking for an October surprise of some kind in the foreign policy field, this might be the time to be watching out for one. Yeah, I mean, I think the basic underlying debate, as Richard alluded to, is, you know, over the economy. I think the Romney message is that he can be focused on the economy and the lackluster conditions that we're living in now. I think Obama is looking to shift the debate somewhat. I think against that backdrop, the foreign policy debate could be quite interesting in that I don't think the public is focused on foreign policy issues as it has been in other elections. However, it will be the last word. And as we know in these debates, often the last word counts for a lot. It's also a race to be commander-in-chief. I think Obama came into the final stage of the campaign thinking that foreign policy would be all good for him. I think there's been tremendous attention on the uh, killing of the American ambassador Libya and three other Americans on September 11th. That's uh, stirred things up. Uh, I think Romney tried to make that more of an issue in the last debate. It didn't go as well for him as he had hoped more because of uh, his characterization of what Mr. Obama said. Foreign policy issues can come back in the frame, and, and we see that these debates often have a dynamic of their own. So it will be interesting to see whether that shifts things at all. And again, you know, we're talking about what appears to be a fairly close race where small changes uh, matter. Yeah. Outside the debates, Richard, do you think it's the case that Mr. Romney just has to keep hammering on about the economy and the failure of Mr. Obama to keep many of the promises that he made before the last election, uh, as they would portray it? Yeah, I think the economy is his strong suit. The second part of that, of course, is what does Mr. Obama want another four years for? You might remember Bill Clinton had a great phrase for his uh, re-election. He wanted to build a bridge to the 21st century. And I think this is the sort of soft underbelly of the Obama campaign, that they can't really say in any great detail what they want to do. They just want to disqualify Mr. Romney from taking his job by demonizing him. And I think the longer that debate goes on, the more difficult it becomes for Mr. Obama. The economy has been sort of ticking up in recent weeks, but I don't think that helps him too much because of the legacy of the last four years. Gary, the uh, the first US election I covered was 1992, Bill Clinton and, and uh, George H.W. Bush. And this seems to me a little bit like an inverse of that in as much as this time it's the Republican challenger uh, who's trying to concentrate on the economy. It's the economy stupid was the Clinton campaign slogan, uh, whereas the incumbent president is trying to play on, on, a, on his record. What's your view of what Mr. Obama needs to do to turn that round? 
Well, I don't, I don't think the situations are totally comparable, really. Uh, Bush uh, was running after uh, really 12 years of uh, Republican rule, and the frustrations about the economy clearly reflected 12 years of, of continuous and, you know, fairly consistent policy. I think the question here is, uh, you know, Obama, um, even though he's widely uh, blamed for a lot of the economic conditions, uh, the fact that he inherited the economy in absolute collapse, and he's had to make the case that he's done the best he could. I, probably the best case that was made for him was Bill Clinton at the convention. The question is whether he'll be as blamed for everything as Bush was. I, on the other hand, if you really think about it, Bush was a sort of less popular version of the party that had been there for 12 years. Yeah, I suppose the point maybe I was trying to make was that, that Bill Clinton proved to be a much better campaigner then and actually seems to be a better campaigner now on Mr. Obama's behalf than he is on his own. Would you agree with that? Clinton showed the ability to make the campaign a referendum on the state of the economy, and I think that works. It's certainly working against Mr. Obama now, working for Mr. Romney, as a matter of fact, during the debate. Clearly, the most effective moments for Mr. Romney is really when he kicked off the problems with the economy. I think you could really see him at his most relaxed and confident at that point. And that's what he'll be trying to do. Well, when in doubt, I suppose you always call for the boss. And this seems to be the case with the Obama campaign, the endorsement of Bruce Springsteen overnight, Gary, I think. And uh, does, does that kind of celebrity endorsement have any effect in a race that's this tight? Uh, you know, I think things like that. You know, it's hard to say. Uh, on the other hand, just in terms of creating public events and such in, in, in battleground states and places like Ohio, you know, it certainly gives the Obama campaign a chance to sort of reach out to people. But, you know, uh, those things happen in every race. John Elway, the Denver Broncos, uh, former quarterback and now team executive, endorsed Mr. Romney in Colorado, and I guess that'll help him out there. Yeah. Uh, Richard, what role do you think rock and roll will play in the last few days of the election campaign? Yeah, I mean, well, Bruce Springsteen, I think, famously held concerts for John Kerry in 2004, and that didn't help him win Ohio. I think it is, though. It's about public events, as Gary says. It's about local media. It's about rounding up and enthusing your base, all those sorts of things. Springsteen's important, but he's not going to sway the election. Yeah. Well, Richard, you were talking uh, a little while ago about the need to be an athlete uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, We've got a little audio clip now of a member of the Romney campaign who obviously fancies himself as a boxer. This is Tag Romney, the Republican candidate's eldest son, telling a North Carolina radio host uh, what he felt like when Mr Obama insinuated in the last presidential debate that his father might not be telling the truth. What is it like for you to hear the president of the United States call your dad a liar? Uh, How do you, know, you react to that? Uh, well, it, jump out of your seat and you want to rush down the debate stage and take a <laughs> swing at him. But you know you can't do that because, uh, uh, well, first because there's a lot of secret service between you and him, but also because this, this is the nature of the process. that you know They're going to try to do everything they can do to try to make my dad into someone he's not. We signed up for it. Uh, we got to kind of sit there and take our punches mm-hmm. uh, and, then, uh, and then send them right back the other way. Well, Gary, um, what did you make of that clip? I, I think it shows that uh, President and Mrs. Obama had done a good job of keeping Malia and Sasha off of talk radio shows, uh, <laughs> and we should appreciate that. <laughs> Guys, thanks very much indeed. We'll be, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again before Election Day. So uh, thanks very much indeed to Richard McGregor, our U.S. Uh, Washington Bureau Chief out there in sunny New Hampshire, and uh, Gary Silverman, our U.S. News Editor. World Weekly is produced by Martin Staber. Till next week. 
goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.